Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Hello and welcome to the new series of Countryside here on Manx Radio. I'm Simon Clark. And I'm Kerry Kermode. We hear from Sarah Comish from the Southern District Agricultural Show about the big move. And also we pay tribute to John Bragazzi, who sadly passed away, one of the stalwarts and gentlemen of the agricultural world known by many here on the Isle of Man. So we've got a, a mix coming up on the programme. Uh, Kiri, uh, first of all, how have you been? Very good. Uh, the sun is shining and we've enjoyed this very uh, good dry spell for the last of the lambing. I do believe now a r- little bit of rain is needed though. The crops are in and they could do with a drink. Yes, so they couldn't uh, couldn't get enough dry uh, weather a few months ago. Uh, things have been difficult times again, but um, as we'll come on to, it doesn't really affect farming too much because uh, things must go on. You've, you've got to get things in. There are sheep that were um, impregnated, I should say, you know, earlier in the year, which which have been lambing, which nearly and an end, are they? Yes, they really are. Um, yes, they nearly are, Simon. Uh, end of April, there usually just the last few to go, and then on to the hill sheep uh, a little bit later in the year. Um, but yeah, been a good season. I think everyone's delighted with their crops. The tops worked well back in uh, October, November time there, even though, like you say, it was a bit of a rough spell of weather, a lot of rain, um, but lo- lots of nice lambs on the ground. And uh, like I say, the crops are mostly in. There'll be a few whole crops still to go in, and some turnips later on in May time uh, for the for the later in the year for the lambs. But um, yeah, a little bit of rain's needed little bit now especially on the north yes yes a bit dry there but um lots of tractors going around there uh, with uh, implements for getting the crops in and it's always a, an interesting time of year i always think because you know that the fields always look fairly rough when there's been uh, cattle and, and stuff on them and then suddenly after a bit of plowing and uh, harrowing and grubbing whatever they use now <laughs> cultivator it's probably a new word for it isn't it, it is and uh, they level it all out get the crops in and rolled in and, and the fields look completely different. That's right, the, the cattle on the in the winter stubbles there, putting the manure back in the ground. It's, uh, it's something that's been needed in the south of England. There's a lot of sterile land from overspraying and lots of fertilisers used and the livestock long since gone from certain areas of arable ground that they are now actually putting the livestock on through the winter times. They might look a bit muddy and a bit churned up the fields but it's desperately needed to get that fertility back and uh, it is good for the land and like you see, once it's reinstated there in the spring, you'd never know what went on. No, you wouldn't. Um, and it's one of them things you know we uh, environmental science when i was at the grammar school it was one of those things where we learned about crop rotation but i suppose that's one of the big things that's changed in farming over the last dare i say 40 years probably. <laughs> you're showing your age you now say so. <laughs> um also um the uh, credit to the the farm shops around the uh, uh, isle of man uh, they've been doing a wonderful job keeping stocked up and keeping everyone um, supplied with fresh local produce um, during these lockdowns. They have done an absolute fantastic job getting the, the whatever they're selling, whether it's veg, bread, milk, even you know some of the butchers getting the, the produce to the Manx people, uh, the delivery services, and how these farm shops have adapted to changing times. You know, It's been a tough year, 18 months now, Simon. Mm. It's been really, really difficult, but they've not sat back. They've carried on, soldiering on, and, and some lovely, lovely produce about. Yeah, sad news on the... Uh, the Young Farmers concert, um, when we spoke to, to Bryony 
just before uh, the lockdown was announced and uh, at the time I thought everything possibly would go ahead but uh, just sad that she you know that they had to make the sensible decision on on what they did and uh, they said you know it's no use doing half a job you know, if it's not, it's not going to be ready so that that was it for this year like many other things that suffered and uh, she said you know they, they were so lucky last year uh, that it was one of the last events that went ahead it really was and even with the revised date there for may it was just still too short a time once you come out of lockdown to get all those uh, sketches practiced and uh, to oh, you know the, the polish that's on those those sketches once you come to that stage is just unbelievable isn't it simon polish <laughs> it must be a dirty rag they use and i can only say that you're listening to countryside here on manx radio with kiri kermode and myself simon clark well, the farmer community on the island was saddened to learn of the death of John Bragazzi at the age of 89. John, well known in the uh, the old Board of Agriculture, I would say, days, and by many farmers here on the Isle of Man, uh, spent many, many hours and uh, in a lovely, helpful and uh, gentlemanly way that uh, he went about things. And, and Kerry, you caught up with uh, a long-time co-worker of John Bragazzi's. And a very good friend indeed, uh, Duncan Longworth. He worked with John for 30 plus years, uh, like you say, in the Board of Agriculture. And they touched on many, many things in their time together through work. Um, and I caught up with Duncan to hear about some of his fond memories and some of the history about the Board of Agriculture and what went on in the years have gone by. This is really my own tribute to John Bragazzi. I've worked and known John for over 52 years and he's helped me numerous times and I don't think I've ever had a cross word with him. And I've always had the greatest respect for him and for his capabilities. Well, how did I get to know him? That was easy. <laughs> I contacted the Board of Agriculture, Nokela Advisory Division, and the advisor at the time was a Mr George Howey. He was the first advisor of, on the island and that's basically when the, the board started early 1930s, I think it was. And he advised me to apply for the West of Scotland Agriculture College because of the type of agriculture I was interested in. I started my agriculture apprenticeship on the farm in the north of the island near Ramsey. And I realised then that I should go to Cumberland Westland Farm Institute at Newton Rigg. There, there I learned a lot more about the practical size of agriculture. While I was away, Mr. Howe retired and I believe John Bragazzi became the agriculture advisor in 1962. I came across John after he'd started at Kelo, and on his advice, I continued my education by going to the West of Scotland Agricultural College and getting my Scottish Diploma in Agriculture and the National Diploma in Agriculture, and returning to the island before joining the Ministry of Agriculture to train as a field officer. Returning in February 1968 to work for the Board of Agriculture, working under the Chief Vet, and for John Bragazzi, the agriculture advisor. Now, some of the farming community will remember my colleague, Robert Corkish. When I started, he told me, we are here to help the farmers. And that's also what John did too. It was nice to somebody to tell you me, or tell me something that John had done to help them to make their life easier or to get planning permission or a problem with a crop. And I think that there, Duncan, is exactly what everybody has been telling me the last few months, is how wonderful John was. The support was endless. 
That, yeah, that's, that's quite correct. In 1970s, the British seeds firm Nicholson's Limited found that they were wanted to import seed potatoes from Holland. They were disallowed. But the law in the Isle of Man was different, and the government here allowed the firm to import the seed potatoes, and I believe that John found willing farmers who could buy the seed, carry out the growing of the seed, and also maintain the high standards expected for having foundation stock seed potatoes. This then required the board to carry out inspections of the growing crop of seed potatoes. This also required the employment of inspectors and the training of them. Every year, the selected inspectors had to go to Edinburgh <coughs> to have to pass the high standards laid down by the East of Scotland seed breeding station at East Craigs. Two of the staff at Nokalo became seed potato inspectors, namely Moore Kelly and Malcolm Kelly. In addition, Temporary seasonal staff were also inquired. That was Willie Quirk from Glen May and Joe Corrin from Ramsey. I'm not sure if Les Neal started as a seed uh, port inspector, i.e. the final inspection before loading, and in those days there was no roll-on, roll-off. He went on to become harbour fish inspector and then inland fish inspector. Well, that would be freshwater. Oh, freshwater, fresh yeah, I see. Uh, before going on to the fish hatchery at Corne Mackold. See that there alone, Duncan. We we tend to just import now just the seed potatoes. Nobody sort of grows yeah. and monitors, and and obviously yeah. we don't have an export of them anymore. No, no, it's it, it was it was new. We had I can't remember the varieties. I mean, Malcolm Kelly will tell you that, but um, that wasn't in my department. I have my own problems. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, more and Malcolm retired and are still with us, but Willie and Joe have passed on. This led, then led the board to have to stand at Smithfield Show, Court, London, where seed potatoes of specific grades were sold to British farmers. John, as well as Moore and Malcolm, had to go to Smithfield every year to carry out this task, and this lasted for about seven or eight years. Another job uh, John was asked to organise was to prepare, on behalf of the board, a stand at the International Exhibition Area of the Royal, at the Royal Show, Stonely. The first show was in 1973 and was a great success, Prince Charles visited the stand and was seen leaving clutching presents of Manx roses and Manx kippers. Next year was Millennium Year, and our regular exhibitors all stayed home, and although we did get some other trade stands, it was not a financial success, so it was not continued. John Ragazzi was always finding ways of educating young and old members of the farming community. This led the way forward for coach trips to the Royal Show Stonely, and with suitable farms to visit to see new, t new techniques as well as a visit to the show, such as the ICI trip to Cheshire, to see zero grazing of grass, where 300 units and 500 units of nitrogen were applied uh, to the fields, and heard of in those days as we were only putting about 28 units of nitrogen per acre. Goodness me. The milk produced from these fields was recorded against the fertiliser use, and costing showed it paid to increase fertiliser use. The Avoncroft Breeding uh, Centre, um, where the, the bullwalker that used to be at Nokhalo, it was here in use, exercising some of the bulls used to produce semen straws to be sold around the world. We saw the whole production and how the semen straws were made. Another time we visited the presence of the Royal Welsh uh, Cattle Society in Anglesey, looking round his farm and seeing the quality of his stock. He had won the Supreme Champion at the Royal Welsh Show the previous year. In 1978, I helped the young farmers compete in the area finals 
competitions, starting with efficiency safety, and then we went on to the uh, fencing competitions. John was always very good to allow us to train at the old bull paddock at Narcalo. Many a night, with headlights illuminating the work, we're doing <laughs> going on till about 11 o'clock or later. He would often come over to see how, how we were doing, and uh, we'd have a cup of tea afterwards and discuss how progress of the work was done with the young farmers. And that's something you did continue to, Duncan, more up to more recent years, uh, is the young farmers, um, the fencing. For, I think I've been doing it for 42 years. <laughs> it's time I start. <laughs> but it's greatly appreciated. I know how much uh, effort you put in, and it's always lovely to see a good stock fence, especially uh, around some of these farms on the well, island. Luckily, it was my job to kind of inspect the fences, but it certainly improved the standards that were going along. And even some of the... Uh, the wise people we know who are in charge would get uh, their knuckles wrapped if they did it wrong. <laughs> Other people I would, haven't mentioned would have been John Harris, uh, who came over from the Minna of Agriculture uh, in Lincolnshire and quickly realised he wanted to stay here. He was great to work with and supported John B in his work with the expendable crops at that Ocala was famous for. Another man who came over was Alan Rutherford from the Minna of Ag Carlisle area. He came over as a grassland advisor and was only over here for about four years. Well liked, and the two Johns and on became a great team and a credit to Manx agriculture. They certainly were well respected by all the farming community. And one person I haven't mentioned yet is Stuart Kameen, John B's stockman and then farm manager. Few can forget the quality of the cemental cattle herd that was there, that the department had, uh, or of the flo Suffolk flock. It was the oldest recorded flock of Suffolks in, the Great, in Great Britain, I believe. While we were at the old show, it was found that gradually the side trips to visit suitable farms or premises had to be curtailed because young farmers were competing in more and more competitions, and older members of the trip wanted more and more time at the show. I also seem to be blamed for organising day trips from the island to the Royal show via Manx Airlines. The trip to the Royal show had started with a one hired coach. This then became, because the cost started to rise and the numbers of people going varying, the bus went and cars and minibuses were hired instead. John and I happened to be speaking to the Agriculture Training Board at their headquarters at the, the Royal Show and we got introduced to a person in charge of the National Proficiency Test Council and all its workings. From that, John managed to get proficiency testing approved and done in the Isle of Man. This led to a whole series of schools recognised nationally and to the farm assurance as is to a national standard as well. And we must not forget the Young Farmers Concerts. John, until he retired, was the organiser of the concerts. He was a timer and he issued the judges with folders with judge sheeting. He also made sure that the judges knew how to mark the acts and then he awarded each team the marks for the concerts. Finally coming to the grand total and announcing the placings. This changed with the chairperson of the Federation doing all the announcing and the placing of the winners and the cups on the final night. Every year, the field day of the Young Farmers was held at O'Kale and was well supported and it was again John who organised all that. John organised also organised the building of the classroom at Nocalo. This was badly needed as various classes and training had to be done at Nocalo. Other, other societies came to use the classroom at suitable times as well. 
the classroom proved to be a boon when the National Proficiency Test Council work increased and we had to have a centre work centre to handle all paperwork that was involved. The classroom was also used as a meeting room for DAF staff meetings as well as agricultural societies, FWAG and many others. And I believe recently it has been refurbished, so let's hopefully we're back into use. As one thing mentioned in the classroom there, Duncan, we also enjoyed the classroom um, for young farmers meetings and also, like you mentioned, the field day that John used to organise there. Um, afterwards, we would go in and get changed. Yeah. But also the, the day release college courses that continued up until a few years ago. Yeah, that's right, yes. Uh, it's all done at the College of Further Education now, but um, uh, it's not the... Not the same, is it? No. It, when you learn in agriculture, it's nice to be on an agricultural unit, You've isn't it? You've got to be. You've got to be. Uh, I never mentioned anything about John, or shall I call him JB, and the Royal Manx Agriculture Society. Well, the Department of Agriculture, Fisheries and Forestry used to have a stand at the Royal Manx Agricultural Show. Eventually, JB got the department to buy a canvas 40 by 20 foot tent, and this improved the quality of the show stand. Only trouble was, it was canvas and daylight can't get through canvas. <laughs> so now we had to have electricity. But it did prove a point that when the Queen and Prince Philip attended the show in 1989, it was a lovely day and John had organised a, a fantastic display in the tent with electricity, electricity illuminating the exhibits. JB and company Prince Philip around the Department of Agricultural Society stand doing the visit, he explained the various items being highlighted in the displays. Later, John was erected as the Vice President in 1994 and President in 1995 of the Royal Manx Agricultural Society. Once the Royal Manx Agricultural Show moved to Nokela Farm, that was in 2011, John, although retired, or long retired, he'd actually helped out, especially on the build-up to the show. You'd see him by the main gate of the show, directing Elizabeth to the various stands, answering questions, or being of help to all. He even took the job of music, music organiser and got the various acts to come to the uh, Meseron uh, trailer to perform at specific times. Yes, JB, or should I throw it back to John Ragazzi, was a tyrant of a man. Never nothing was too much trouble. He progressed Manx agriculture to a higher standard, and yes, everything has progressed. But I believe he was the man who pushed it forward and certainly guided other people to help it move with the times. One of my memories that I do have of John Bragazzi Duncan is uh, when Nokalo Farm came up for rental. Uh, we applied and you had to have two references and we were very fortunate that uh, John gave us a reference alongside Donald Gelling uh, to go with our submission and we were very lucky to take the reins of it for first five years of it going out to the general farming community. It is a cracking farm, it really is a great farm. Did you notice when you drove up the drive something that uh, caught your eye? It was all the daffodils. Absolutely stunning they are too. And the reason why they were there was that John found a market for daffodils, uh, so we had to grow them. Well, I didn't grow them, he did. He had a, his team grew them. And um, they were air freighted out from Lonsway, I think, to the northern markets, probably Manchester. Goodness me. And those bulbs were planted in Nokalo just as a crop, you believe? Uh, yeah, I think so. And then what you also don't remember, that um, in the fields alongside it, they used to grow an awful lot of vegetables. 
I, that wouldn't surprise me. It's got beautiful <clears throat> soil in, in those fields there at Nakaila. Yeah, um, I can remember a long time ago when I worked for uh, the canals up in Ramsey. Um, we started, I think we started the, the uh, pre-packed veg growing and uh, stuff was going down. Uh, Howard Anderson, sorry, Stuart Anderson is the one who's doing it all now. Uh, but we started, I think, a long time ago, and uh, one little van started changed up to two lorries, having to take down every day to to the the wholesalers, etc., or deliver them to the different shops, etc. It, it's gone a, a long way, hasn't it? But it's nice to see maybe now, Duncan, things are coming back round again. The novelty of growing mm. vegetables or or farms, all growing vegetables uh, to sell locally went. Now with this pandemic, I think the people are realising that the local produce is something we need to keep a hold of. It certainly is, yes. I mean, we, we've got some fantastic uh, producers of uh, veg and uh, it's like the, the meat market, you know, uh, and, and the milk. We're producing our own stuff. And remember, we've had four days of no sailing and 30-odd traders on the, uh, the the pier there waiting to go on the boat and their shells were bare. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's, it's good... Um, in fact, when I used to work for the uh, Mindavag, um, one of the jobs we had to do was go, we had buffer stores, and that was basically sugar and, and flour and stuff like that was stored in, in warehouses, and they, had, and they were then checked, and we had teams of people to go around kept the vermin out of it, etc. But that oh. was another job I did when I was in the Mindavag. And was this grown locally, Duncan? No, no, that was national, that was England, and there was the buffer stocks around the country, so that if a war had come, you had a, a certain amount of uh, produce that you could keep the, feeding the population. And I think that's what the problem is these days, is everything is hand-to-mouth. You know, we're competing on this global platform where everything's imported, exported, it's flown around the world. What you forget is, most of the warehouses are now on wheels going from A to B, B to C, C to D, yeah. and then to your, your local supermarket. Yeah. Yeah. We all forget that. It is it's how times have changed, and... Um, also, just reminiscing with about John Bragazzi, the shows. I know how much I love the shows, the agricultural shows here on the Isle of Man. And I remember in 2006 where he judged the Supreme Championship there in Sulby. Um, what, what a great day it was. And we were competing with Limousin Cattle that day. And it was actually our competitor, Brian Lee Strompeel, mm. that won the champion with a Limousin heifer there, Valerian. And um, I'll never forget that being under the pressure of uh, parading my heifer for John and, and how much he loved the shows. Oh, he did. I mean, well, I told you how he was preparing, organising people to go on, the, like the Thursday and the Friday, uh, getting people into the shows uh, for their stand, etc. But there's a lot more work involved. I mean, I can remember helping him putting um, livestock numbers on st on, on pens for the different classes. Uh, you know, it, it, there's a lot of work there. It's all those small bits you mentioned, yes. Tonkin, that you don't yes. realise that goes into oh, it. Yeah. I know that nowadays yeah. I see you week or two weeks before preparing the car parks. Yeah. You know, so many people have their own form of transport now. They want to park. They want to be yeah. right next to the gates. Yeah. And how you have to lay it out and be organised and, and all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. It's something that uh, you and John would have spent hours doing in the years gone by. Yeah, it's, uh, well, I wasn't in... That's how I was helping. I had my own stand area within the the, the board stand, um, or the department stand, as it was later on. And then it's now DEFA, but uh, we won't go into that. But yes, it, it it all took time. You had to be thought out, had to be made, sorted, done, put together, 
and basically you're working late on the the Thursday night before the show to get everything right and praying. <laughs> <laughs> and I can oh, I can remember. Uh, yeah, it was Solby. It was at the board stand we had, and we had a, the tent I was talking about, and uh, a gale came up, and I had another meeting at that night, and I came back about eleven o'clock. And you could see the tent rising, and I thought, and the next morning, ripped, it'd be oh, all ripped, ripped never. to shred. Yeah, yeah. Oh, golly. And I think it was a bit like that at the uh, Southern District Agriculture Show only a couple of years ago. There was yeah, tents in disarray. Rolling down. I thought, what the hell? That was, I was just about to turn into the, into the, into the car park, and uh, I thought, oh, dear. Oh, Mother Nature can be so cruel in the it summer can. months, too. Oh, but I've, I've had my little tent blown down me when I was <laughs> down there. Never, the only time yeah, when we had damage was done. Oh no, we had, yeah. When it used to be at the King George V Park, um, the kids, you know, we didn't have anybody standing over that. We should have had somebody there overnight. And the little beggars would go up the top of the tent and slide down with a knife and just rip down all the way through. Gosh, that's terrible. Yeah. It really is terrible. And the amount of work and effort that goes oh, into yeah. these things and to have it ruined, just, yeah. Something silly. Yeah. But anyway, thank you so much, Duncan Longworth, and okay. uh, great memories of, of a true gentleman in John Bragazzi. He was, definitely, and something we're going to miss for a long, long time. That was Duncan Longworth there, a long-term friend of John Bragazzi, and some wonderful memories of the Board of Agriculture as it was there back in Nokalo, what they got up to, some great, great memories made over time. Yeah, and uh, if we had a two or three hour programme, uh, we'd be able to get many, many people from the agricultural world who, you know, just uh, admired John. You know, it's all his years of experience and the way he went about things uh, was just nothing but praise for him. Absolutely. And hopefully, Simon, in the coming weeks, we'll hear from more friends of John Bragazzi and their memories of uh, the time spent, whether it's at the shows or on the trips that they took off to Stonely or other farming events that they went off to off island or just uh, generally in the other interests that he had um, around the Isle of Man. Yes, indeed. You're listening to Countryside here on Manx Radio with Kiri and Simon. And... Some news from the Southern District Agricultural Society show. And I caught up with the secretary, Sarah Comish, to tell me the big news. It's very significant for us this year. We are moving the show, um, as has been announced in the last couple of weeks. Um, Yeah, after a, a very long period of time for the show at Great Meadow, we've made the decision to move to Orisdale Farm in Balasala. Right, and this move, I mean, you've sort of got used, I suppose. How many years have you been Secretary of the Southern? About 10 years now, yeah. Yeah. And you've sort of got used to how things go and people know where they're going and stuff, so it's, it's quite a challenge ahead. Yeah, it's. I do keep telling everyone I've never moved a show before. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, we, we've got a really good committee. They're very involved and, and they're very dedicated to um, making sure that this, this all works. So we've started a few weeks ago putting everything um, in place for the roads um, and for traffic management and everything like that. Um, so yeah, so it's in progress. Now, what is the most significant challenge you've got to to come across now uh, that's a very good question actually um at the moment we're just sort of finalizing our traffic management plans they're obviously with the roads we're going to be using they're going to be quite involved um 
And apart from that, it's just sort of setting out the show field so that it really works for everybody. Why the move? Um, Great Meadow has been the home of the Southern Show for almost 50 years. My whole life gave it away there. Um, But unfortunately, in the past few years, as the show has increased in popularity, um, we've been demanding more and more space from Great Meadow Estates. Um, And they are also running a farming operation um, and they have quite a a significant um, oat production going on and they need the land for that. So it's been very difficult for them to try and accommodate us in the last couple of years. Um, And when we reviewed it this year, we realised that we probably couldn't get the car parking capacity that we would need for the show. And that's really what it came down to. Ten years ago, when you started as secretary, mm. I mean, how big was the show compared to how it's grown over that recent years? Um, it's definitely grown in popularity. I think agricultural shows in general have become, um, there's become a lot more public awareness of them. And they all seem to have sort of developed quite a following now. Um, so it's... There's a lot more people attending these days than than when I started, I think. Yeah, because I suppose it's fair to say the Royal Manx from its days at King George VI Park in Douglas. Yes. Alternatively, with Stourwood Farm in Sulby. A lot of people remember that. Yeah. And, of course, it's home uh, now at Nokalo Farm at Patrick. I suppose that's been fair to say that it's been the bigger of the show over, over the years. Yeah. And I suppose people nowadays that the southern's got bigger and they thought well it's more or less the same at the southern now let's go there um yeah i think that i quite like that we have two agricultural shows because i think when you're exhibiting it gives you two chances you know it's it's worth getting your livestock it's worth getting your animals ready because you've got two big shows to go to now on the island um, I think that's really important this year as well. It also gives local producers a chance to have two big events to go to as well. Um, and I think that people, that they make, there's a lot of people that go to both shows. There's some people that only go to the Southern and there's some people that only go to the Royal. So I think it's quite a nice balance, really. Yeah, and it's usually, I think, two weeks when the Southern finishes to the Royal Manx show. Yeah. And of course, um, all the livestock producers and the people who exhibit from shire horses to pigs, sheep, goats, the dogs as well, the rabbits and, and poultry that's on display. It's a lot, a lot of work. And I suppose they do get two chances to to show their, their work. Yeah, I think um, there's a lot of investment goes into animals that go on show. Um, I know from our experience with the family, they get a lot of attention and a lot of pampering. Um, and it's really nice. There. <laughs> <laughs> they get more attention than the kids. Um, but I think that they um, that it makes it worth it for people. It makes it worth investing that time because you get those two chances to show off your stock to sometimes to different audiences, certainly to different UK judges, which we would normally be doing. Um, but uh, of course, this year we're doing local judges for both shows and um yeah i'm quite looking forward to that actually yeah that's good stuff but of course people will have to bear with it it'll be the first year orisdale farm uh, 
Pippi and Carol Kermode and the Kermode family will be uh, yeah. busy and quite excited and probably a bit nervy uh, ahead of this <laughs> yes. to make sure that, you know, <laughs> the defences are properly up and everything. <laughs> we'll get a chat with them in a couple of weeks' time, actually, to see how, how they're feeling and looking forward to it. But, you know, people will have to bear that it is somewhere new and it'll it's obviously different sizes and it's new to everybody. Yeah, and I think um, we hope that everybody will understand that there's going to take a little bit of that. We sort of need to transition to somewhere new. Like I say, we've been at Great Meadow for nearly 50 years and it's been a beautiful place to be. We've been very lucky to have it. Um, and the move is we, we've got to sort of see, almost see what happens this year. I mean, we're really excited about it. Um, we hope that we've put everything in place that's going to make it a really good show. We've had a site visit. We've looked at the showground. We think it's going to be lovely for people to come to come into the show field and they'll be able to sort of look down over the south of the island and they'll be able to see everything that's on display at the show. So we're quite excited about that. I think it's going to be really good. Yeah, and um, some other news possibly coming up in the next couple of weeks as well. Ah, yes, we've got another announcement that we'll be making in the next couple of weeks, of which I can't tell you anything about yet. Come on. But it's very exciting. It's great news for the Southern Show. Um, and no, I'm not telling you any more than that. <laughs> Finally, what's your favourite bit about the show? I know it's a lot of hard work uh, for you as secretary and the the committee that, uh, you know, get involved in putting it all together. But what what's the bit that really crowns it off for you at the end of it all it's difficult to say really i think because because we've all grown up with the show it's always been a part of our lives and i think i always wanted to be involved with it um I'm, and i'm definitely that now um i think sort of the friday night the saturday morning when you sort of see everything actually come together all those months and months of work and they've come together and people are arriving on the show field and there's kind of like there's a really lovely atmosphere and and i think that's probably the best part of it for me is just to see everyone have a good time and hopefully it won't start raining <laughs> <laughs> It won't keep us away. And the the dates for the Southern District Agricultural Show, Sarah? Yeah, the dates this year are Saturday the 31st of July and Sunday the 1st of August. If anyone needs any more information about the show or exhibiting, um, they can contact me on 494-497 or the email address is sdas at manx.net and we've got our website as well, which is www.southernshow.org. Sarah Comish, the Secretary of the Southern District Agricultural Society Show, telling me all the news and uh, what preparations are ahead for moving the show field from Great Meadow to Orisdale Farm in Balasala. Is that the right, right postcode area for it, is it? <laughs> it is indeed. Yeah, so uh, a lot of work ahead for the Kermode family and uh, maybe I'll uh, sneak in and get a chat with uh, with Mr and Mrs Kermode in the coming weeks to, to find out how they're looking forward to it and the preparation. But uh, it must have come as a, a bit of a shock to start with, Kiri, did it? It was a bit of a surprise, Simon, yeah, but it was um, a lovely surprise. We've enjoyed many, many years of um, great success and enjoyment at uh, Great Meadow there with the Rigor family. And um, there was never a doubt that we would turn the show away 
and if we could help in any way possible we could um, obviously when they came to have a look around the farm and see if it was suitable you, you don't know if it is or it isn't um, but obviously they were quite happy and the whole team came to have a look and see what they wanted to do and um, we're here to support them in every way we can and like you say there is a lot of work ahead of us yes there is and uh, well it's uh, one of them things you know for many years uh, we, we enjoyed the, the show at the King George the Sixth Park and Stoward Farm in Sulby the alternative years and then obviously the move to Nokalo so things do move and change but will you be allowed to enter well <laughs> we'll still be late no doubt no indeed uh, don't forget uh, with this new series of Countryside if you've got anything you'd like featured that's uh, to do with the outdoor world or indoor as long as it's sort of rural and uh, would fit in with the Countryside programme not too political or too deep uh, we'd like to hear from you you can email countryside at manxradio.com or you can leave a message for Kiri Kumar or myself Simon Clark here at Manx Radio Reception 682600. So we look forward to uh, more next week on the programme. So until then, from me, Simon Clark. And me, Kerry Kermode. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.